Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Megan Wright. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, we will speak with Deborah Van Berkle, registered psychotherapist. We'll also get an update from Marcus Hurl, chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. Our Grain Talk webinar series has kicked off for another season. In our first episode, we hear from Joanna Follings, cereal specialist with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs. Follings discusses management considerations for this year's winter wheat crop, including the importance of scouting early and making plans for fertilizer. Our second episode will be out next week. In this episode, we hear from Mike Cowbrough, weed specialist with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs, about weed management. All webinars have been pre-recorded and are available at gfo.ca slash talk. As global reaction to the COVID-19 pandemic continues to unfold, we want to ensure our farmer members know the work we are doing on their behalf. Grain Farmers of Ontario is working in collaboration with provincial and federal agriculture groups to reach out to all levels of government. It is imperative that we reach out quickly with defined asks and recommendations to ensure the proper support for farmers and agribusiness. For members looking to help, we encourage you to speak with your local, municipal, provincial, and federal representatives to ensure our asks are clear and consistent. A few things you can center your discussion on include, farmers play a vital role in a secure and stable food supply and economy. Continuity in food production is essential in Ontario to avoid food shortages and ensure food security and farmers need to know governments will support them as they risk their financial, physical, and mental health during this pandemic to grow food for Canadians. Grain Farmers of Ontario is asking the government for a fully funded RMP program at 100% with the cap removed, an immediate injection of at least 5% of a farmer's 2018 allowable net sales into Agri-Invest accounts, an increase to agri-stability to 85%, for 2019-2020 and remove reference margin limiting. Protection from the supply chain, from seed to inputs to processing to parts and repairs to retail and exports. We are also asking our farmer members to connect with us and share any supply chain issues they have faced as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Real stories help us inform government on where to focus their efforts. Please email your stories to members at gfo.ca. If you have employees working on your farm, there are some important steps you should be taking during the COVID-19 pandemic. First, inform employees on how to stay safe from COVID-19 on the job. This includes proper hand-washing techniques and information about how the disease spreads and how to stop the spread. It is important to post signs and train employees on these topics. Be sure to set up clear policies and procedures related to COVID-19 for your workplace and provide training for employees. These include physical distancing practices, creating work teams to reduce contact, increased cleaning of workspaces and high traffic areas, setting up hand washing and sanitizing stations, canceling non-essential in-person meetings, limiting contact with on-farm delivery people, and reminding employees of current sick leave policies, or if you do not have one, develop a sick leave policy. 
For more information, including policy templates, visit the Canadian Agriculture Human Resource Council website and click on their Agri-HR Toolkit. The Ontario Federation of Agriculture has also created a guide to operating your essential farm business during COVID-19, which includes information for keeping you and your employees safe and operational. You can find it at ofa.on.ca on their COVID-19 webpage. And now, here's my conversation with Deborah Van Berkel. So joining me on the podcast today, I have Deborah Van Berkel. How are you today, Deborah? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good. All right, so just to get started, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, uh, kind of where you're located, uh, just a little bit about you. Uh, well, I'm located in Lennox and Addington County, um, which is in Napanee, Ontario. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. So it's kind of close to Kingston in between Ottawa and Toronto. Um, we have a dairy farm here and my husband and I uh, run the dairy farm with our two small children who help as much as possible. And um, I also have my own um, therapy business, my own counseling business here in the Napanee area that I opened up, um, a couple years ago. And I, it's called Cultivate Counseling Services. And so pretty much I spend my time counseling and my other time farming and raising our children. Awesome. So how long have you, um, been a counselor and working in therapy? I've been a counselor for probably 15 plus years. I actually worked in the public system for a long time. I uh, worked for addictions and mental health services. So I was a part of that for a very long time. And then a couple of years ago, I decided to transition and open up my own business after I learned that there was a need um, in the agricultural industry that there was a lack of services. So um, a few years ago, I decided to do that and I left my public job and went out on my own and have been doing that ever since. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so did you grow up on a farm? Have you always lived in agriculture? No, I actually am one of those people that, uh, yeah, truly believe that milk came from the grocery store. I had no idea about farming until I met my, well, I shouldn't say I had no idea. I did have an idea, but I did never grew up. I never was around farmers. I would have honestly no, no word of a lie probably wouldn't have never really noticed them um driving out through the country i know i'm one of those terrible like awful <laughs> and then i met my husband and i yeah he introduced me to farming and gave me the pretty much five cent tour and put me to work right away so i've been uh helping him ever since and when we took over from his parents i don't know five six seven years ago um we've been doing it full time together. So yeah, so I'm literally that person that went from believing it was in the grocery store to actually, you know, putting it helping putting it in the grocery store. So well, that's, that's good. You've now come over onto our side. So I have, that's great. I know, exactly. <laughs> I've totally converted sides and I'm a true believer. And that's why doing what I do is, is so important. I have such a passion for it, because I, you know, have the idea from both sides of it, right? So mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. So then with your uh, counseling business that you do, um, is it mainly like one-to-one -one counseling sessions that you do or do you do workshops or other educational opportunities? 
Yeah, I do actually. Um, that was actually when I decided to go out on my own, why I was so excited because I got to do everything that I wanted to do, which was one-to-one counseling workshops and public speaking. So um, it was something that I was able to do in my public position as well. So we ran a lot of workshops and um, I was trained in a lot of different sort of fields, I guess you could say, like with trauma and addictions and mental health. So um, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And so when I transitioned over here um, into public, I'm still able to do that. So um, that's where the um, business came up for the farmer wellness program um, and deciding to kind of develop or model that, I should say, um, create a new program and then be able to do workshops um, and also do public speaking engagements just on mental health to kind of help people out. And then also, you know, do the one-to-one, which is my favorite. So mm-hmm. that's good. So then, um, where you're located out of is, so is most of your client base rural or agricultural or, um, most of it is rural because Napanee is a rural area with everything else that I'm doing, it's like, it's all people that are come from the rural. So I, my caseload would probably consist right now, it's probably 50, 50. So 50% agriculture, 50% non-agriculture. Um, before the pandemic started, it was about 80% agriculture and 20% um, non-agriculture. So yeah, being able to provide that here. And then the workshops, um, I've actually traveled all over Ontario. I was um, I'm fortunate to be a part of the educational literacy program with Guelph in helping them um, pilot their project. So I traveled over there and did some workshops all over and we're just, we were going to start them all around here. And unfortunately the pandemic started and things have changed. So right. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, So then, so you said that before the pandemic, your client base was like 80% farmers and now it's about 50%. Is that meaning that you've just had more of other clients coming in or you're seeing less farmers now? Okay. Yeah. So more people have kind of come in. So, uh, I mean, realistically, if we think about with the pandemic, like the biggest things with the isolation and with the uncertainty, a lot of that is not really a far stretch for farmers. So, Mm -hmm. and also too, I was going on, so I do, I can do on site. So that was one of the things that when I opened up my own service, uh, my own counseling program, I wanted to be able to meet farmers or agricultural people where they were at. So even if there was industry service providers, things like that. So I'm actually not shy to go on people's, um, in their homes and stuff. That was part of something I did in my public job as well. So uh, when we developed the farmer wellness program, that was one of the one of the services that we provided. So we can meet people in their homes. And unfortunately, the way it's at right now, a lot of it's over the phone or a lot of it's virtual and right. not always completely well accepted. People are getting kind of accustomed to it. But there was also that sort of, you know, interim time of people trying to get accustomed to what was happening. Right. So. Mm-hmm. just sort of being able to kind of balance that out before accessing different services. So it kind of changed a little bit, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great idea, though, to have it that you can go to them, because I feel like that's a big um, barrier for a lot of people in agriculture is like just getting there. You know, they're really busy. So taking a bigger chunk out of their day um, is a lot more difficult. So that's that's really mm-hmm. good. Actually, why I decided to do private, because 
when my husband came home and was talking about um that like he was at a dfo meeting and when he had talked about the need for it and that people were talking about it 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 just all came flooding you know kind of thinking about it because realistically if you think about it how often is a farmer going to be able to make you know a certain timed appointment and then being in the public system there's not always a lot of flexibility when it comes to appointments because mm -hmm. it's really difficult right like you're slammed with a caseload so trying mm -hmm. to get people to fit in and rescheduled makes it very difficult and when you're on a farm and everybody knows that you know everything pops up on a farm that you're mm -hmm. unable to kind of you know set to a schedule or murphy lives at your house which in our case he like resides here so you know not being able to kind of you know have that timeline kind of put into place so being able to go see people and if there something's going on well i'm still there so i'm able to work around those types of unforeseen circumstances i guess you could say yeah that's really great have you seen so you started the business a couple of years ago you said right yeah so it would have been 2018 okay so have you seen so when you first started was it kind of difficult to get farmers as clients or even just people in agriculture in general that were willing to talk or has that improved? Like, how did that kind of work? Because I feel like there's a bit of a barrier, or just kind of a stigma to not really talk about it. Um, so did you find that difficult when you first started? Um, I didn't find it difficult because I knew what I was getting into. So I, I and I know what farmers are like. <laughs> Right. So the <laughs> yeah. difficulty is like a frame of mind, in my opinion. So I knew it was going to be something that was unknown to people. And when it's unknown, people are hesitant, right? Because they, they don't have the information. They have no idea what it's like. So mm -hmm. for me, when I started, I knew that it was going to take a little bit of time um, for people to kind of have an understanding that there is somebody coming in that's you know, a dairy farmer, but also a counselor. And I always say like, I'm the most unprofessional professional there is because I'm kind of a dairy farmer first. So this is what you get. I just, I happen to have a skill set where I'm also a counselor. So I was fortunate enough at the very beginning of getting into this to be connected with Guelph. And so with Andrea and Brianna. And so when I was doing the pilots, I was also meeting a lot of people in Ontario and um, people were starting to see who I was and, and, you know, what there was out there. And I actually had quite a few people say to me, like, you're a counselor. And I'm like, yeah, and this is kind of exactly what you get. It's just a matter of being able to have that conversation. So mm -hmm. there were people that were starting to access it from the very beginning. And then um, there's been, it's been, in my opinion, it's been well received um, as far as being able to connect with people there still are quite a few people and I get like a ton of calls. Like there's always lots of people that are like, um, I see this as a sign of weakness or I've never done this before or how does this work? Or, you know, I don't know where to start. Like, how do you fix me? Like things like that constantly. Right. right? So it's just a matter mm -hmm. of helping people understand that. Right. And getting the information out there. So I knew it was going to be a, take a little bit of time, but I didn't, I didn't really ever see it as difficult. I just saw it as a change. Right. So then when you say like also with your style of being like somewhat unprofessional, professional, um, what's kind of your <laughs> yeah. process for kind of getting people to open up or like when you go to their farm, like if they're like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and you have to kind of like follow them around to 
stuff they're doing or like what kind of process do you mm-hmm. go through to get people to be comfortable and kind of open up a little bit more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, when you say it back to me about being unprofessional, it sounds terrible. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it, but it's one of those things where it's really just talking to a person, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just having that conversation, really trying to normalize it. Most people actually um, will sit and talk. So a lot of times it just depends on where we are, like whether we're outside or whether we're in front of the barn or um, at their place. Um, a lot of times people will come into the office um, a lot more times often than not. Actually, people will come into the office. I don't know if it's to get off the farm. I actually haven't asked that question. But um, but as far as like making people feel comfortable, it's just helping people to understand. So a lot of times it's just making that connection. And most often than not, what people will do is ask me about farming. So we just talk about farming or whatever, you know, they want to talk about until they become comfortable and talking about other things. And it's really just explaining because a lot of times the people who have had counseling in the past are very much get right into things and want to talk about things and are able to discuss it. People have never spoken to a counselor or really even talked about their feelings before or their thoughts or anything. Um, there is a, there is a different process. I mean, it's unique to every single person. So Mm -hmm. as far as the style, it's just really having a conversation and really just normalizing it for people and not pushing people past, you know, a complete comfort zone where they're going to shut down. So that's not what I want to do. It's to help people, you know, with whatever they're struggling with. And if sometimes that's just, sitting there with him and having, you know, me talk about things just to help normalize it, then that's what we do until they become more comfortable. Yeah, that makes sense. And I I think that's good for people to hear. It's, you know, it is just a conversation, especially when you have the agricultural background, they can talk about things that they're obviously comfortable with. And Mm -hmm. it takes away that image of like that you see in movies of you lay on the couch and someone just says, and how do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not so much about it's not so much like that. That's actually, that's a very good point. Cause that's actually what a lot of people will say. And a lot of people are like, you're not like what I see on TV. And I'm like, really, <laughs> there's a difference. Right? And that's because I'm not that person on TV, right? This is not about mm-hmm. Pearson lying on the couch and, you know, going deep, dark back where, you know, you talk about childhood and all of that. Like it's, it could be just anything that's happening at that particular moment. A lot of times it's just helping people make the connection, right? Cause mm-hmm. especially with farmers, they, a lot of times because they're so ingrained to think and act a certain way. And a lot of times it's they're fixers, right? So farmers just want everything to be fixed. And mm-hmm. when it's inside of them or when it's, they're unable to kind of figure out what it is and to have someone like me just come in and essentially all I'm doing is just putting words to things and helping them make that connection. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I see what you're, you know, and then it helps them be able to kind of figure that part out. Right. And then be able to kind of process it because a person's never been able to kind of process that before because they've always been taught, you know, like mm-hmm. buck up or rub some dirt in it and, you know, push on and fix yep. it. If it can't be fixed, you know, move on to the next thing. It's just that type of mentality. Right. So it's really mm-hmm. just kind of breaking that down. So then now we'll maybe dig into the big, issue going on in the world right now, COVID-19. So how have you seen this, maybe in clients that you are seeing right now, or just in general, um, how do you think COVID-19 is impacting farmer mental health? Because obviously, as you kind of mentioned before, farmers are 
kind of used to isolation and uncertainty, but do you think this is adding on to it? Or do you think they're like, this is just another thing I have to deal with? Or how do you think it's impacting them? Well, I can speak for myself and I can speak for some of the people that I've talked to um, as far as what the impact is. And that's, it's starting to come up now. Like in the very beginning, the isolation piece um, was not really a far stretch. It wasn't, it's the fact that you weren't able to access your usual resources, right? So if you were used to Mm -hmm. hanging out with people or, you know, going for coffee and things like that, those were impacted. So it's kind of learning a different way, a new norm, I guess you could say. I would say now things are starting to take even a a different turn because of what's happening, like in all the the commodities, right? So with milk, um, we've heard, you know, people having to dump milk, which is heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. right? For people to see that. And then also when people are having the discussions with, you know, flooding of market of things, especially with, um, you know, the cow industry. And when we're talking about all the different commodities that people are starting to become fearful of that, and that anxiety is starting to increase among people because of the the kind of the rules that are set in place, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to make sure that you have A, B, C, and D all set up in order for, you know, like say the milk truck driver to come and pick up the milk. So, you know, provided that that's all set in place, everything is great. At what point do you get that call? So that's the, so the anxiety is starting to increase, I would say a little bit more in people, mm-hmm. um, which then with that uncertainty, people start to um, become fearful of things and sometimes don't always apply the appropriate resources or not sure what are resources to apply in those particular moments, which can make it very scary for a lot of people. And that's when stressors start to kind of elevate, you know, and things start to get heated and it, it can become unmanageable for a lot of people mm-hmm. at that particular time. Right. And I think that uh, for a lot of people, like, sometimes that outlet to get away from their stress or to deal with it is to go and socialize with people. And like you mentioned, that's a lot more difficult right now. Mm -hmm. So do you have any um, other like advice or tips for dealing with those feelings of anxiety or stress or just general uncertainty? The biggest thing when people call and ask questions about that, the biggest thing that I tell them is being able to kind of label it, right? So acknowledge what's happening and being okay and giving yourself permission to really feel those feelings. And again, a lot of times farmers don't always want to talk about their feelings, Mm -hmm. but being able to say like, this absolutely sucks right now. And I'm angry and I'm pissed off. And I'm, you know, I don't know what to do and all of these things that are happening. That's okay. Nobody knows what to do right now. A lot of people are pissed off, right? So being able to kind of normalize that and giving yourself permission to kind of express that or feel that And then going, okay, now what do I need to do? What do I have control over right now? And that's the biggest thing. When people feel out of control, that's when everything starts to escalate. So what is it that I have control over? Well, you know, planting is coming up right now, which is always a big stressor for people. So (laughs) let's throw that on top of things. You know, (laughs) why not? Mm -hmm. But again, we have control over that. So it's going to be different, right? Because, you know, when the seed guy shows up or you know, when you got to call for fertilizer, like everything is different. Mm-hmm. Again, making that phone call and figuring out what it is that I need to do so I can put the steps in place in order to be able to do that. Who do I need to call? And then figuring out at that particular time, what is it that I need right now? Do I need to call, a, you know, and just chat with people? And that's, you know, 
even people have still been showing up at a safe distance that you're able to still have conversations. It's just that you're not able to engage in a big group, right? So Mm -hmm. what's going to be helpful at that particular moment? Who can I reach out to? Who can I talk to? Again, just being able to kind of normalize it can be helpful for a lot of people. Of course. And I think that is really important to remember because that goes back to that whole mentality thing of just thinking, I just got to push through, like I have stuff to do, like I just need to keep going. Um, Mm -hmm. So it is good to take a minute for yourself. Well, absolutely. And a lot of times we don't, right? We just kept fixing, 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 like figuring out what's the next thing, what's the next thing and pushing through the tasks and then not acknowledging really anything that's happening. And that's actually when people become overloaded with stress because mm-hmm. they don't recognize their stressors because they're at a certain level that people are just like, oh my goodness, it's like we're out of control now. So with the way that you work, obviously you do some one-to-one and you'll go to people's farms. And so that's not really happening right now. So are you still taking clients like over the phone and talking to people? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I have over the phone, we do virtual, um, not a lot of people. Actually, there's been quite a few people that have done phone sessions, not a whole lot of people. Again, maybe probably because the way the internet is right now with rural internet and like every yeah. single person is on it at all times of the day because of school and working from home and all of that. So mm-hmm. it's been pretty shoddy. So um, a lot of times it is just over the phone, which then a lot of times too is helpful for people because you're not actually seeing them. It's it's good and it's, it has its healthy and its unhealthy ways of doing things because one is you don't have to look at the person. So a lot of times people feel uh, more comfortable talking about things than if you're just sitting there staring at somebody, mm-hmm. right? When you're in a room with them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times it it is easier for some people. So right now uh, that's pretty much what I'm doing is a lot of just over the phone and yeah just chatting. So being able to kind of connect with people and I'm actually getting a lot more calls too from uh, family members. So people Uh that I wouldn't typically, like if I have like the particular, the farmer, but maybe the spouse is calling me now and just wanting to, what can I do? How can I help? You know, how do I provide that support? Which a lot of times too, Mm -hmm. because you're only the two people there and it makes it really hard if you're the only two people talking to each other. Right. Right. So it makes it that much more difficult. So, you know, what can I do? And then just being able to help them just validating everything really. And, you know, empathizing with what they're going through and then, you know, helping them normalize things and then go, okay, you know, this is what can be helpful. This is not what can be helpful. And it all comes from them. I'm not the one telling them what to do. It's figuring out what's best suited for them. So, which they, so it's kind of similar similar advice to family members of just like taking that Mm -hmm. time to talk about it and, and normalize it. Mm -hmm. So then, so have you seen kind of a, an increase in calls or people reaching out since this pandemic started or or even since it's getting into such a stressful time, like are more people feeling that anxiety or stress and, and reaching out? Yeah. The last couple, the last couple of weeks where I even like maybe a week and a half, I would say I've gotten um, a lot more people reaching out for a period there. There wasn't, I think people were really just adjusting to the shock of mm-hmm. everything that was happening. So, or maybe I just didn't pay attention because I was adjusting to the shock. Who knows? I didn't, but I can't say that there was um, an increase at that particular time, but in the last week and a half, I've noticed um, a lot more people reaching out for support. So 
And a lot of times it's just, you know, somebody I saw, you know, I saw you in this thing or somebody told me about you or, you know, I found you here. And then just asking some questions because a lot of times too, it's just people wanting to ask certain questions, not get full-blown counseling. So right, it's always about helping people for me. Right. So then with that stigma, do you have any thoughts on on ways like even us as a farm organization um, or just people in general in the community, how we can lessen that? Like obviously talking about it is is going to somewhat help, but do you have any other thoughts on that stigma and how we can uh, reduce it? Well, talking about it is always going to be the number one thing. And this is what I explain to people. So if we think about it, so talking about it and having it out there. So exactly what is happening right now. So it, you know, for the last few years, it's been in social media so much. And a lot of people are like, you know, mental health, mental health, mental health. And that is the biggest thing to be able to do. Because once we start talking about things, it becomes normal, right? So what I say to people is think about cancer. So think about like, you know, 50, 60 years ago, when people used to talk about cancer, they'd whisper it, right? So people like you think about, well, I think about my parents' age and my grandparents, and they would always whisper or not say it. And now hmm. where we're at in 2020, cancer is like, there's so many, you know, fundraisers and, you know, people are able to talk about it and people have, you know, all of their, like the ribbons and everything. Like I was, the only thing that keeps coming to mind is that one ribbon with a, you know, it's kind of screw cancer type thing. <laughs> And, oh. you know, I'm, I, I don't want to say it, but anyway, so, you know, being able to kind of look at it that way, right? So people talk about it and, you know, how can we help and what can we do and all of this. And if we think about it, you know, even with AIDS, that was what in the eighties. And I mm -hmm. think I may have started earlier, but what I remember of it and people were wearing hazmat suits, right? And they didn't know what it was and nobody talked about it. And then there was a huge stigma attached to it. And again, now looking at it and you know, where it's at. People talk about it like it's normal. It's an everyday conversation. People, there's no stigma attached, or in my opinion, there's no stigma attached to it. So I put mental health in that category and look at it like, okay, I hope it doesn't take that long, like 20, 30 years, <laughs> and that we can do it quicker. And with social media, I believe that uh, that can happen. And I think that is what's happening because we didn't have social media, you know, back when AIDS, you know, had started or back when cancer had started. So it took that many years for it to be destigmatized and for people to feel comfortable talking about it. And mm -hmm. so with social media and with people like you doing podcasts and talking about it and like with, you know, do more creating their foundation and with wealth, you know, creating their literacy program and with, you know, counselors that are, you know, directing their services to um, agriculture, being able to, you know, destigmatize mental health within our community so that, people do become comfortable talking about it. It's all about language. I, I, no word of a lie, it's all about language. And I say that because as a counselor, there's certain words attached to things that make people cringe. But in regular talk, it's just normal. And mm -hmm. why I say that is, so I have a friend, this is an example, this is a perfect example. So I have a friend who called me up during last year's spring planting. And we had a really rough time. It was really wet and nobody could mm -hmm. get anything in. So <laughs> yeah. everybody, right. It was across the board. So everybody was mm -hmm. in a bad mood for a long time. So I had a buddy call me up and say that he was doing a 
um, he invited my husband and I, and they were having a farmer, how do you, how do you put it? Farmer crisis, a farmer crisis luncheon. And I was like, what is a farmer crisis luncheon? Yeah. And he's like, oh, a bunch <laughs> of us are getting together and we're all going to this one restaurant or whatever for lunch. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, so tell me who's going. So he starts rhyming off and it's pretty much like a lot of people that we know in the community who are all farmers. And I'm like, and you're going to this place. Yeah. So you're going to have lunch and have some drinks and talk. Yeah. So, and I repeated everything. So I'm like, you're going to have so-and-so. And I went around the, the people. Yeah. And you're going to a place. Yeah. And you're going to talk about things. Yeah. Okay. So I need to tell you that you just literally developed a peer support group. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what you're doing is literally a peer support group. You're just calling it the Pharma Crisis Luncheon. So it's no different at all. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh. And there was choice words that were said about it from him. <laughs> you know, being able to call it out. But it's exactly what it is. So that's how I've explained it to people. I'm like, there, it's just how language is used. Right? right. So people are doing things. And they're engaging in the activities and helping themselves and, you know, applying coping strategies. But as a counselor, I'm the one that says coping strategy. What you're doing is just what works for you, you know, during a crappy time right now. So it's just, it's just language. It's all about language. Yeah, that that's a really good point. That example really makes you think like, there's definitely so many farmers that get together and do things and, mm-hmm. but yeah, they would, they would never call it that, but that is really mm-hmm. what they're doing. Like mm-hmm. when they finish planting or after like, you know, the 10th rainy day in a row, they get together to just like get away from things. And that's yep. exactly what it is. It's peer support. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just language and that's the thing. So, and that's how I explain it to people. So when I, you know, do presentations or I'm, you know, discussing things because people will say, I don't know what to do or, you know, this sucks. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It sucks. So what, you know, what works for you? Do you enjoy like going to a buddy's house and, you know, chatting about things and having a couple drinks? Yep. Well, then that's what you do. Right. So it's figuring out, do you right. like to go for coffee? Do you like, you know, do you hang out after church? Do you go somewhere? Do you, you know, it's figuring out what works for the person and mm-hmm. being able to, to kind of emphasize that with them. Right. So again, mm-hmm. People talk about mental health because it's the words mental health. That's what people are like, oh, but mental just means your mind. That's all it means. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just helping your mind. Right. Being able to kind of figure out what works. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what it is. And and even it can be things as simple as like listening to a podcast while you're working and maybe not. I've heard um, friends of mine talk and they're like, I do farming all day, talk farming all day. He's like, so I don't listen to a single farming podcast. Probably isn't a good thing to say on this podcast because this is a great farming <laughs> podcast to listen to. But even even just those small escapes of listening to a historical podcast because you've always been interested in history, like just those little things, I think, can just give your mind a break from what's stressing mm-hmm. you out. And that's and so right there, you've literally for me, what I explain to people, that's what I refer to as grounding, right? So helping somebody when their mind starts to race and they don't know how to make it stop. A lot of times mm-hmm. people say like, you know, and a lot of time at different times of the day, but particular times. So if it's like right now, let's say, and you're like, okay, well, what's going to be helpful? How do you be able like, how are you able to distract yourself? And then being able to get lost in music, being able to get lost in a, in a podcast, right? So then you're distracting your mind from the other things so that you're right. able to take that whatever 30 minutes or an hour or however long it is and just focus on that particular thing at that moment and then go back 
to whatever it is that you're doing. So you've literally just brought your body down because before that you were, if the person was stressing out or, you know, the person was getting escalated, their physiological body is like going through the charts, right? So think of Mm -hmm. like fire coming out of everywhere. And then you want to be able to kind of bring it back down to a level that you're able to kind of manage and go, okay, I can start to think again so that you're you're trying to ground yourself. So using a podcast Mm -hmm. or music or whatever is what's really helpful. Again, language, right? Right. All right. Well, that's a lot of really great tips and a lot of good language in terms of normalizing it. And I think even for me, it's a lot of just opening my eyes of like different things that we do every day that really are taking care of our mental health, but you just don't think of it that way. But Mm -hmm. you have to remember to do those little things for yourself. Absolutely. And that's the hardest piece, right? That's like Mm -hmm. literally doing the work. When you have to stop and think about things, it's the hardest thing to do is to be able to take that step back and look at the situation from the outside and then go, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to change right now so that I'm able to manage whatever is happening? Right. And that's the hardest piece. And that's where people are like, Oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be able to do that. And it's like, well, it does suck, but you know, it's kind of the work that needs to be done in order for you to be able to, to be able to manage things. Right. So that you're not Mm -hmm. feeling out of control. So the work you need to do to be able to do all the other work that you do on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yeah, I know. On top of the 85 things that you got to think about, you know, at any given time, add some more stuff to it. But it's really just being able so that you are able to think about that stuff. So right. you're able to take that break so you can start to to think about the other 85 things you need to do. <laughs> exactly. I know. Mm-hmm. All it's right. So... Yeah. Um, (laughs) If any of our listeners uh, are in your kind of area or would like to reach out to you for more information, um, how can they contact you? So my business is called Cultivate Counseling Services and it's in Napanee. My website is cultivatecounseling.com and I can be reached by phone at 613-985-7233. Do you have any other, um, for people that maybe aren't in that, in your area, um, some good sources or places that they can go for mental health help or resources? Actually, all the commodities, including like with the Green Farmers of Ontario, um, Do More Egg, everybody's putting mental health pages up on their websites and there's great uh, resources that are on there. So being able just to go online and check that out and figure out what you know, kind of what the person is looking for. Um, also too, if there's people looking for uh, counselors in different areas, there's not a whole lot of counselors that are dedicated to farmers. However, hopefully that is expanding. I'm working mm-hmm. with someone to do that right now. So I could try and help out that way because I do know some people. Um, but a lot of times if people just want to give me a call and just being able to kind of help out with specific resources pending what it is that they're looking for. I can help out with that as well. Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I think uh, our listeners, yeah, I think our listeners learned a lot and it was really great, great uh, conversation. Um, I thank you very much for asking me to be a part of this. Very much appreciate it. I love that people are talking about it. So kudos. Thank you.
So joining me on the podcast today, I have our chair, Marcus Hurl. How are you doing, Marcus? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So there's a lot of uncertainty going on. So I guess for farmers, we're kind of used to that uncertainty and who knows what's going to happen. So I guess we're getting into planting season. So obviously there's a few more obstacles than normal with that. But um, what are conditions looking like in your area or, uh, or in other areas of Ontario that you've heard about? The uh, weather itself has been fairly steady, but uh, well, steady to drier than normal. But uh, now this week, we're actually experiencing the, the cold spell coming through. Now, uh, I believe a lot of farmers have taken advantage on putting in the, on the nitrogen on the, uh, the winter wheat crop, getting probably some so-called field prepping done, uh, equipment uh, touch-ups that need to happen, and uh, hoping that the weather is going to stay reasonable, that we can get this crop in in a half-decent time frame, uh, not like last year, where everything was so delayed uh, for not just weeks, but months. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, let's hope that this doesn't reoccur uh, because with everything else going on around us, it's something that we do not need to have also in front of us. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so speaking of what's going on all around us, um, do you want to touch on COVID-19 and maybe just how it's impacting the grain industry specifically? Yeah, so the COVID-19 is, uh, is one of those things that we have to realize it's a huge crisis, not just on the healthcare, but also on food supply. Uh, because we've seen uh, some grocery stores of running short on certain commodities, like especially meats uh, and uh, pastas as the, uh, the, the onset of the uh, crisis came on. Now, that has sort of relaxed somewhat, but then what happened is uh, some of the uh, slaughter facilities actually had to shut down. So this, this puts a lot of stress on the, uh, the value chain of from production to the slaughtering process. And in the same token, that also has impact on the grain supply that goes into the feed market. So uh, all that being said, uh, this has already had a significant down swirl on the uh, commodity pricing for corn, soybeans, wheat, not so much because it seems to have uh, weathered the storm somewhat. But now uh, when we look at uh, marketing for some of the commodities, while well, corn has been really hard hit because the ethanol industries have uh, ratcheted back to roughly about 60%, 50-60% of their capacity of production. And uh, that's due to uh, less fuel being used by cons consumers to fuel up their cars. So what that does, um, it uh, actually defers some contracts that farmers have to sh supply those ethanol plants in a time frame of being this now. And that's creating some cash flow problems for farmers that need to purchase their inputs for the spring. So uh, this is not something that we're escaping at all. It's actually having a more severe impact than anticipated at, at the onset. And then I think that also circles back um, with less ethanol production. There's also less DDGs, which a lot of or feedlots use for feed as well. So it really is just a full circle of supply chain. Yeah, and uh, that's actually a, a huge problem because... Uh, 
you can well you can replace the DGGs with something else, but at a higher cost. And the margins are so slim at the moment on all the animal production sides that uh, you cannot afford spending more money on any input that you're putting into them. And uh, them struggling accessing the slaughter capacity. So they're having a huge crisis in front of them, which gets translated into our industry as well. So what uh, I'm hoping that government is looking at um, resolving some of those challenges of maybe finding ways of getting more slaughter capacity in the short term and uh, hoping that they can actually access it as quick as possible. Right. And then talking about planting again um, and even just getting supplies uh, like fertilizer and stuff, how is how is that looking with uh, COVID-19? Yeah, so uh, uh, we know that the suppliers have uh, kind of their most of their supply in stock or warehouses somewhere, but uh, the uh, the challenge that we're going to be facing is getting it from the um, the retailer to the farm uh, because uh, the transportation aspect is going to be stretched to a limit. We're also going to see uh, some delays of maybe having to order 24, uh, 24 to 48 hours prior to your delivery. You need to order the uh, the supply. Uh, so again, uh, what I want to say by that is uh, if farmers can take some of those inputs, even when they don't need it that day and order it maybe prior and having it stocked on your farm, please do so because uh, we do think that this is actually going to be the biggest challenge that we're going to be faced with. And uh, if that actually does happen, that some of the uh, the input suppliers do go down with uh, maybe somebody testing positive, um, you will have basically a, a value chain that's going to be disrupted and it won't flow as smooth as it usually does. Right. So it's just planning ahead more than more than usual, I guess. Yes, that's and, correct. And so going into our government asks, I'm sure you're not in as many in-person meetings, but I'm sure you've definitely still been on the phone a lot with all that's going on. Um, so can you tell us a bit about things like business risk management and things, what's going on with that? Yes. Um, so since the beginning of uh, COVID-19, we've... Uh, We've put out a statement from grain farmers that government should, uh, especially Ontario government, should consider uh, fully funding the RMP program to 100%. And uh, by that saying is 100%, first of all, removing the cap, and second of all, funding it to 100% of its uh, potential um, program design. Until today, we still live under the 40% and cap to 100 million for uh, five commodities that draw on it. Now, what that does is uh, it's actually thing thinning significant the access to dollars through that program if everybody triggers. Uh, because now we've seen already beef struggling, um, the, the pork industry, grain sector is starting to struggle on the pricing side. Um, so we already have three large commodities drawing on that uh, more than uh, what the design or, or the the program 
dollars are meant to be. Second of all, government needs to realize that uh, food security is created by a stable uh, industry, which uh, is only created if you actually have a backstop in place, and uh, that uh, backstop is created by a sound uh, business risk management program in a province. And then if you look at the national side, the, uh, the conversation has been going on the last five years of looking at uh, reviewing the BRM suite of programs. In case of a crisis, and uh, here we go, we're in the midst of um, an international crisis that nobody thought about uh, five months ago, and the uh, government has not addressed this at all in the fashion that it actually would pay out in the case of need. And uh, the grain sector is one of those sectors that has been neglected through the BR business risk management aspect because of it being so um, stable the past couple of years. And uh, to get basically the trigger mechanism to kick in down to a 70% uh, uh, level, it's very unlikely, but here we go. Like uh, we are actually facing the biggest crisis the world has ever seen, and uh, nothing is in place. So being proactive actually was not even looked at. And uh, I think government needs to realize food security is the backstop of a country's economy more than maybe some of the industries that uh, that uh, convert raw product into something else. All right. Well, thank you, Marcus. That's a really great update. And hopefully, um, hopefully we can see some action on the business risk management before it's really too late. And so uh, thanks so much for taking the time to give us an update today. And I hope everything, uh, I hope you're, you and your family are staying well, and I hope planting goes well this season. Yeah, thank you very much, Megan. Uh, I want to say well, maybe one more thing uh, to all farmers. Uh, be safe out there. Be vigilant of what you do. Um, take uh, more attention who is around you and what's around you, and uh, take the appropriate measures of mitigating the risk to your farms. Because a uh, uh, farm uh, that goes uh, that would be tested positive uh, would be devastating to that farm as well. Because uh, there would be different ways that you would have to work in a sense of putting your in your crop, feeding your livestock and all that. So please uh, be safe. And if in case of need, reach out to the expertise that are out there that can help you out in time of crisis. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Deborah Van Berkel and Marcus Hurl. If you like what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.